Well, good morning, everybody. You can be seated. Such an honor to be in my house today. This is my house, right? And uh, I just want to honor our pastors today, Pastor Chuck and Karen. You know what? I've known Chuck my whole life, literally. I was born in Clewiston Hospital, and I survived. Hallelujah, right? But I'm pretty sure he was born somewhere around there as well. We grew up together. But I'm going to tell you something. He's my pastor. He's my friend, but he's my pastor. He and Karen are my pastors. And I'm going to tell you, I get fed every single Sunday from this man, and I honor him today. Can you just honor our pastors today? Just honor our pastor. We love our pastors. We love our pastors. Amen. Amen. So I never take it lightly when I get the opportunity to share the Word of God. Um, You know, teaching isn't something I don't just... It's something, what you're going to hear today, I just want you to know ahead of time, this is the stuff that the Lord has done inside my life. How many of you know if you don't let the Word deal with you, you ain't got nothing to say, (laughs) right? If it doesn't become life to you, then there's no reason for us to be beating our Bible at anybody else, amen? So um, I'm going to pray for us today, and then I'm just going to share. I hope you have your Bible, whether it's on your phone or uh, in your hand. I'm going to share some scriptures with you today. I believe God's given me a word for this house. So, Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for the opportunity, God, to stand, Father, as a messenger of Christ today, Lord. Father, I thank you for your presence here today. Um, I thank you for your word today that is life. I thank you for your word that is sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord. It, It separates my soul from my spirit, Father, and I thank you for life today. And I uh, just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Corey. Whoop, whoop. Awesome worship today. Awesome worship today. And so I'm just going to tell you everything that I've heard so far today. I, I just know the Holy Spirit has orchestrated this because it's been in my heart for weeks just to share that this is our comeback year. Amen. This is our comeback year. And um, the Lord showed me a couple of things a few weeks ago, and, and I just want to expound on that a little bit today. So if you have your, your Bible today, I'm going to share two scriptures with you today, probably more than that, but we're, we're going to start with two. And the first one is in Isaiah chapter 6. So can you just turn to Isaiah chapter 6? I'm going to read the scriptures first, and then I'm going to come back and expound on them a little bit. So this is one of my favorite passages. This is out of the Passion Translation. And it says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I clearly saw the Lord. Clearly. Everybody say clearly. I clearly saw him. That's important for where we're going today. He was seated on his exalted throne, towering high above me. His long flowing robe of splendor spread throughout the temple. Standing above him were the angels of flaming fire, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces in reverence. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, they flew. And one called out to the other, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, commander of angel armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And I just want you to know, listen, the whole earth is filled with his glory. I don't care what it looks like right now. Listen, the whole earth is filled with his glory. He has never lost a battle. He has never lost a battle. Amen? 
The thunderous voice of the fiery angels caused the foundations of the thresholds to tremble as the cloud of glory filled the temple. Then I stammered and said, Woe is me, I'm destroyed, I'm doomed as a sinful man, for my words are tainted, and I live among people who talk the same way. King Yahweh, commander of angel armies, my eyes have gazed upon him. Then out of the smoke, one of the angels of fire flew to me. He had in his hands a burning coal he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my lips with it, and he said, See, the burning coal from the altar has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the Lord saying, Whom shall I send to my people? Who will go to represent us? And I spoke up and I said, I'll be the one. Send me. So this was Isaiah's um, moment with the Lord. And now, now turn real quickly to the New Testament. Turn to John chapter 12, verse 23 is where I'm going with this. And in this passage, in John chapter 12, what was happening was Jesus had gone to Martha and Mary's house, and uh, he had had dinner there, and Mary had, had, had anointed him with oil, and then Judas got all bent out of shape, talking about how much money it cost, and the religious spirits were just raising up. And then it moved from that into the triumphal entry, and thousands of people um, had gathered to see Jesus, to see the one that had raised Lazarus from the dead. And then Jesus is turning and he's talking to his disciples and he says to them this. He says, now's the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make it clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest. Everybody say great harvest of wheat. All because one grain died. And what he was referring to there, he was prophesying his own death. You know, he'd been with the disciples. The disciples thought, man, we've arrived. He's with us. The king has come. They knew him as the king. And now all of a sudden he's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going into the ground. And the principle there was this, a single grain of wheat. If I just had a, an orange seed or a sugarcane seed and I just left it right here on the corner of this podium, it would never produce. It would remain one single seed because it has to have the right environment to reproduce to reproduce right and so the first Sunday of 2020 our pastor stood in this pulpit and he declared this is our comeback year how many of you were here for that service I remember it just like the back of my hand he declared, he preached it, he prophesied it listen we shouted, we ran you know we believed it and we still believe it. How many of you still believe that? Because I'm going to tell you something. When the prophetic word comes forth like that, it doesn't have a time necessarily attached to it. You understand that? God is not a God that's limited to time. I'm going to say that again. Listen, because you might be sitting here saying, well, you know, Tina, your day laid a dollar short. We only got like four days left. I mean, you know, what? God is not, God is an eternal God. Time is nothing to him. You understand? Time is nothing. So he's not up there biting his nails going, oh, my God, I only got four days, four days to, you know, to make Chuck what Chuck prophesied happen. That's not what he's doing. But I'm going to tell you something. The word of the Lord continues in the word of God. The Bible says that our words and the word of God frames our future. It frames our future. 
So my words frame my future, right? So whatever I'm speaking, whatever I'm prophesying, I'm just building my future with those words. I'm building them. I'm, I'm framing my future. And so, th- so we heard that word, and then all of a sudden, then this year happened, <laughs> right? Everybody say, this year happened. Just makes you want to shake your head, don't it? I mean, <laughs> you text SMH, right? Just, I'm just shaking my head at this. I, I can't really explain this year, right? I can't explain this year. It looks like the exact opposite. It looks like a contradiction. Anybody ever have a few contradictions happen in your life? It looks exactly like a contradiction, right? And so some of those contradictions, you know, what do you do with the contradictions in your life? What do you do when, when, when you have a prophetic word that you've cried out for and you've contended with and, and you've done all the things, but yet nothing's happening? Anybody ever been there? Come on now, y'all got to talk to me a little bit today. I need to know. Yes, we have. What do you do when you've prayed for the person that you've laid hands on, the person that you've contended with, the person that you've prayed for doesn't get healed? They get healed on the other side of here. And we have all the faith in the world. I can remember standing down by the lake where my dad had been in a boating accident. And with all faith declaring, God, you can raise him from the dead. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care if he's got, you can raise him from the dead, and I meant it. But how many of you know God didn't raise him from the dead? Had his funeral right here at this church seven days later. That's a contradiction. What do you do when a marriage that you've contended for has ended? What do you do? What do you do when the children that you've prayed for, that you've raised in the house of God, that you've prayed with, walk away from him. What do you do? These are all contradictions, right? What do you do when the business that you know God gave you, you know it was based on a word of God, and then all of a sudden COVID happens and done, closed, windows boarded up, right? I felt that this this way a little bit about this year. I became the principal um, of my school in February, and it was kind of like, congratulations, you're the principal of a D school. And, oh, by the way, it's going to be shut down by COVID. And half of your kids are going to be at home. And you're not going to be able, they're going to be in their pajamas, right? You're going to be staring at their ceiling fan on the screen because they ain't going to be listening to you. What are you going to do with that? And, oh, by the way, you better turn that school around. <laughs> it's like, huh, really? Really, Lord, is this really your plan? Is this really what you moved me here for, Really? Really, right? And so what do we do with those contradictions? What do you do with them, right? And so I could go on and on, but these are the contradictions in our life, and this year has been full of them. It's been full of disappointments. Anybody have any disappointment in your life? Anybody deal with a little bit of despair in your life, right? Anybody have a hard time just getting up in the morning? Listen, let's get real. It's taken a move of God for me some days to get up and take a shower. I'm getting real with y'all. I'm getting real with y'all. Sometimes my family called me, and they'll say, what you doing? I'm like, laying on my couch. And they're like, well, you want to come over? I was like, mm, is that going to require me to take a shower? Anybody? Come on. Come on, right? Despair, disappointment hits you. 
and you're just like, you're just like, what do I do? What? There's nothing. Everywhere I look around me, nothing's, nothing's making me happy. Nothing's looking like I had planned. Uh, you know, nothing's happening the way that I thought it was going to happen, that I feel like it should happen. And look, these are good things we're asking for. We're not praying for bad stuff. <laughs> we're praying for good stuff, right? And so, but in the midst of it all, everybody say God. God. I love the worship today. I've seen you move. You move the mountains, and I believe you're going to do it again. And in the midst of it all, we say, you are good. You're good. You're so good, Lord, right? In the midst of it all, we say, this is my mountain, and I'm going to see that mountain move. Amen? And so, and so I, first Sunday, Chuck, Pastor Chuck declared it. So I'm here today to, to declare it again. This is our comeback here. I'm here to confirm it. I'm here to affirm it. I'm here to say you heard from God. You did not miss him. This is our comeback year. Amen? And so, um, so what I want to do is the Lord showed me this picture, and I just want you to think about it. I should have had Pastor Chuck bring his bow and arrow, right? Because a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit just began to show me. Tina, what, what, you, what you guys are feeling like is disaster. What you're feeling like, you know, is everything's going wrong. It was like the Lord showed me this picture of the father with this big old bow and arrow. And he had the arrow, which is us. How many of you know we're his arrows? We're his messengers. And he had it in this big bow, and he just was pulling it back. He's just pulling it back, right? So when we feel like we're going under, right, when we feel like everything around us is burning to the ground, when we feel like there's not an ounce of hope for us to hold on to, it was like the Lord just told me, Tina, I'm in this. I'm in this. I'm, I'm preparing you. This is, this is preparation for what's about to come. So I'm just pulling that arrow down. I'm just pulling that arrow back. And how many of you know for that arrow to actually be shot out, guess what it has to do first? It has to go back. It has to go back. Micah chapter 2 is the first time that we ever hear God referred to as the breaker. Everybody say the breaker, right? And the picture of the breaker is not somebody with a fist punching it through. It's the picture of a wave. I love the ocean. I've been on the ocean my whole life. But it's the picture of this big wave that's being pulled back, pulled back, pulled back, pulled back, right? It looks like the tide's going out. It looks like everything's drying up. But guess what? It's just the hand of God pulling back this big, huge wave. And pretty soon, it's going to come crashing over, and boom, breakthrough is going to happen. So these were the pictures that he began to show me when I was just about getting ready to give up. <laughs> I was just about getting ready to, you know, stay in my pajamas for a while, call in sick, right, take a mental health day on the beach somewhere, all right, you know. And so, and so the Lord just began to tell me this. Two things I want you to keep in your mind today is an arrow can only be shot out by pulling it back in its bow. And here's the other thing. A seed can only produce if it's placed in the ground. If it's, only, if it's placed in the ground. That's it. That's the only way it can produce. So you, Isaiah said this. He said, when Uzziah died, I was able to clearly see the Lord. I saw him clearly. Now, Isaiah had been a prophet of God. He was a prophet of God. You know, this is a man, I think it was Isaiah, it might have been Jeremiah, that in obedience to the Lord walked around for three and a half years in his underwear prophesying. I'm thankful that God has not called me to that. And y'all should be too. Right? 
So, I mean, but this was how obedient this man was, right? He's been prophesying, and now here he is saying, wait, I see the Lord. He's high and lifted up. His, his train fills the temple. And he says, but wait, I'm a man of unclean lips. I want you to think about that for a minute. A man whose very lips had been used to declare the word of the Lord. Now all of a sudden he's going, wait, my lips are unclean. My lips are unclean. And he said, I see the Lord. And it's not my, and I put in parentheses here, it's not my version of him. Right? How many of you know that we all have a version of what the Lord looks like in our life, right? Some of it's been formed because it's what other people have told us. Well, God is this, and God is this, and right? We've heard that. And, and so it's not what my pain and disappointment has caused me to believe about him. Because how many of you know your pain and your disappointment, if you don't bring it to the Lord, it can give you a version of him that's not, that's not correct. Amen? And so, and the Lord just began to show me even those areas of my life is, listen, there's some areas of my life where I have some graven images. Now, now I've never thought about that word since I was at Clouston Assembly of God, probably in this Donna Wiggins class learning the Ten Commandments, right? And we learned King James style. Listen, we didn't have videos and all that when we were in children's church. We had to sit down and pay attention. You understand? And we learned the old King James version of the Ten Commandments, right? And it said things, you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? You're not going to take his name in vain. And we all thought that meant cussing, right? But I've learned that you can take his name in vain when you don't speak of him properly, right? And then it says, you know what? You're not to worship any graven images. And we all thought that, yeah, you know, a graven image is this little statue that's carved that, you know, people carry around. But how many of you know we can create our own graven images of him? And we can worship this graven image of God. And so some of the graven images in that, that probably we have in the church is that we have a graven image of him that says he's just the Santa Claus in the sky. So I worship this image of God that he's supposed to bless me. He's supposed to hear my prayer, and he's supposed to answer it. He's got seven to ten days to answer it. And if he doesn't answer it in seven to ten days, then I label him as not hearing me. He's not good. He's not faithful. Come on, that's graven images that we've produced. We might not say that out loud. But how many of you know we worship at that altar internally? We worship at that altar of false accusations and unwarranted, Jeremiah calls it, unwarranted suspicions about his faithfulness. That's what Jeremiah said. He said, God, I've eaten your word. He said, and he actually did. He actually balled it up, put it in his mouth and ate it. And he said, it tasted like honey to my lips. He said, I've, I've been your prophet. He said, but here I am. I'm still in pain. Why am I still in perpetual pain? And God spoke back to him, and he said, Well, Jeremiah, it's because you have unwarranted suspicions about my faithfulness to you. And he said, and until you, he said, when you deal with those unwarranted suspicions about my faithfulness to you, then I'm going to make you to be a mouthpiece for me. So he's in the same boat with Isaiah. Isaiah's saying, God, I'm your prophet. And then all of a sudden he's saying, Take the coal, touch my lips. Right? And so we have that graven image of bless me, God. Then we have this, some of us have this image, a graven image that God's up there. He's our judge. 
and the whole world is a stage like Dancing with the Stars or The Voice or American Idol, and he's up there just deciding whether or not he's going he's gonna to tag you in or he's going to send you home. You're either going to Hollywood or home, right? Come on, this is the image that we have of him sometimes, that he's judging us, that he's just up there. You know, God is watching us from up there. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Right? Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little man, because, you know, he's watching you. So I grew up my whole life thinking, oh, God's watching me. I better be careful. Listen, I wasn't serving him from a place of love. I was serving him from a place of fear. He was going to send me to hell, right? I, I was going to be a sinner. I wasn't, he's not going to answer any of my prayers, right? And so I had this graven image of him. And so I, what that caused me to do in my life was I worked in a constant stage, constant state of working so that I could just prove how much I loved him. Boy, I better not miss church because then I'm not going to love God. I better not do this, right? So I worked in this constant state. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been there? You can see it clearly in the Bible in Luke with the prodigal son. See, we all preach the prodigal son, right? He just went out and squandered everything. But we don't hear a lot about the elder brother that stayed at home. Right? The church is full of a lot of elder brothers, right? Who, who didn't go out and squander everything, but they're bitter. And, and they're serving the father from a servant. I'm, I'm just bitter. Why is he, he went out and sinned. Listen, I've been there. I've done this. These people go out, they sin, they do everything. Everybody rejoices when they come back in the church. Come on now. Right? And your flesh is over here clapping. You're clapping. Oh, hallelujah, they're saved. But inside you're like, Dang, I've been up here. I've been on this platform since I was 13 years old. Like, like, what the heck? I haven't missed a service. Like, I played with a broken leg, cast on my foot, right? I played with a cast on my arm before, right? Come on now. So we have this graven image of God that we have to work for him in order to be accepted, in order to be loved, okay? And another one, let's just, let's just take the opposite end of the spectrum. There's this graven image of God about cheap grace. Well, God loves me, and... I'm accepted. I can go out and do whatever I want with whomever I want. However, you know, come on, we, we have that other end. And he loves me. And I can come back up in the church house and act, you know, like I'm just all that in a bag of chips. So we have that. How many of you know all extremes are dysfunctional? That's a graven image of God because the Bible is very clear. He is a holy God. And he, he is to be feared and reverenced. Amen. And the last one I'm going to talk, just real quickly touch on, because I'm going somewhere with all this. Just stay with me. It's going to come together, hopefully. Is a lot of us have this legalistic, religious view of God, right? You got to follow the rules. You got to follow the rules. You know, and I'm just going to say, listen, I am so thankful for the way that I was brought up. I'm thankful that my parents took me to church. I'm thankful for my Aunt Johnny Mae that would take me to Saturday night prayer meeting, right? I'm, I'm thankful for all these people in my life. You know, I see two women right back here that I honor that have helped mold me, Miss Anna, Miss Mary, helped mold me my life. I'm so thankful for that heritage. But I can remember literally signing on the dotted line saying that I would not go to movies, <laughs> that I would not drink a beer, which that was not, I didn't like beer anyway, so I didn't have a problem with that. I had a problem with the movies because I like movies. Um, I forget what else it said, but right? But it's like, just go ahead and sign it, though. Go ahead and sign it. I was like, I'm signing right here, but I already know I'm going to break every single one of these. 
right? But I grew, so if you're not careful, you grow up with a legalistic view of God, you know? Uh, you can't wear pants in church. God, I was so thankful when somebody finally broke that rule. Oh, it's like, thank you, Jesus, for the woman who finally wore pants that, you know, just got called every name in the book, but thank God we can now wear pants to church. I mean, come on, y'all can loosen up a little bit, but y'all know I'm telling the truth, right? I'm thankful for the first woman who wore makeup. Woo, thank you, Jesus, right? But you can have a, an image of God that he's just legalistic as the day is long and that the whole goal, if, if we're not careful, is that we think that we got to get in a church so that we can behave better. How's that working for y'all? I'm going to ask you again, how's that working for y'all? Y'all behaving better? Don't lie. Don't lie. So, yes, yes, there are areas God does deliver us. But how many of you know, I mean, do you want us coming to your house and living with you? Are you behaving that well? I'm going to move on. It got quiet in here. But how many of you know we have these, these graven images? And these, these are the things, these are the images that we have of God. And so Uzziah was one of, King Uzziah was one of the most prosperous kings in the Old Testament. Good things were happening in the nation. We could really, you know, call, you know, prosperous. The nation had come back. Uh, they were financially stable. All these good things were happening. People applauded Uzziah. Uzziah's like, man, the, I think if you look up historically, they say he was the best, the greatest king since Solomon, basically. And so then here he is, every, everything's prospering, and then all of a sudden, he dies. Contradiction, right? And in my, you know, the Lord just began to show me that I think Uzziah represents everything that we think is life to us right? What the must-haves, the good things, right? If I could just have this, everything would be fine. If I could just get that position, that job I want, then everything's going to everything's gonna be fine. If I can just make this amount of money, then everything's going to be fine. I'm not going to have to worry about anything. If I can just, um, you know, find a spouse, then everything's going to be fine, right? If I can just um, get that house I've been wanting to buy, if I can just, you know, get that ministry position, these are some of the things in my life that I really felt were, how many of you know none of those are bad things? I didn't say one bad thing up there. But how many of you know we think that, that good is the goal? Come on now, I'm going to say that again. We think that good is the goal. I'm going to help you all right now. Listen, Jesus did not come. He did not leave heaven and come to earth, right, just so that we could be good. Good is not the goal. Come on, tell somebody, good is not the goal. Good is not the goal, right? We're all really fine with giving up the bad things in our life. You know what? Well, that didn't work for me. You know what? Um, whatever, whatever your thing might be, right? You know, drinking all night and having to get up the next day and go to work, okay, well, that didn't work for me, so I'm going to give that up, right? Um, I'm just picking on a few things here, like, that we think are bad, right? Because we have all these things that we think are bad. Uh, you know, having to pay $50 a week for a carton of cigarettes, that's not working for me. That's, that's biting into my budget. I'm going to give that up. Come on now. You ready? So all those things, we're going to give up the bad things. And then we think that that's the goal. But how many of you know the tree of knowledge in the, good of, in, in the Bible was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You with me? There was good on that tree, just like there was evil on that tree. Right? Good and evil. 
good and evil came from the same tree, right? And so Christians think if I can just get rid of all the bad things, just get them under control, then God's going to be so happy with me and he's going to bless me, right? That's, and, and Paul was that, that way in Romans 7. He said, listen, if I can just stop doing the things I don't want to do and if I can just start doing the things that I want to do, then life's going to be grand, but he found out there was this little thing inside him called flesh that just kept tripping him up. He could not do it. And then he said, but thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, right, who has come. And he's delivered me. He's delivered me from my own self. He's delivered me from sin and the dominion of sin. But then he comes and he delivers us from self. And I'm going to tell you, for, for some of us, self is the hardest Thing to get crucified. We fine with giving up sin, but don't, don't be messing with my flesh. Don't, don't be touching my good stuff right here, right? And so the church is trying to get everybody to be good, feel good, act good, do good, and we've mistakenly thought this was the goal, and all the time the Father's trying to get us just to be alive. I'm going to let some of y'all think about that. Because how many of you know your problem is not that you were bad, your problem is that you were dead, The Bible does not say, um, oh, well, they were just, you know, they were just a little messed up. They were just a little dysfunctional in their sin and trespasses. It says, while they were yet sinners, while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ came for us. I want y'all to think about that. Okay? So the problem is we were dead. Jesus said, I came to give you life. I came to give you life. And to give you life abundantly. And how many of you know who life is? It's Jesus. Life was the other tree in the garden. Come on, let's just go way back. See, we think our problem is, well, I grew up in the wrong family. You know, if my mom had to just behave better, I'd have been fine. Or if my dad had to just stayed around, I'd have been fine. Come on, let's go. Let's, let's just talk about that a little bit. Listen, hey, it is all over TV. Turn on. You will hear Dr. Phil talk about it. Eonla, you know, whatever my life, fix my life. I mean, all these talk shows are about if your parents would have just behaved better, then you would have been fine. Those just bad, bad parents. How many of you know that our problem and our, 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 our real problem started in the garden with Adam and Eve? It started with the choice of two trees. Right? And they chose the wrong one. <laughs> right? Now, did my life exacerbate some of those things? Yes. It can agitate, but it's already, it, it's already agitating a bad situation. Because our real trauma is that we were born separated from God. I was born dead. I was born, I was, my spirit's dead to Christ. I'm surviving by my but impulses. I'm, I'm not making up this stuff. Read Romans. Right? The Bible says that we were surviving by the impulses of our flesh. I don't know about y'all, but my flesh has got some pretty bad impulses. Come on. I know y'all look nice today and took a shower and all that, but let's just get real. Right? said we were living by the impulses of our flesh. We were living by our thoughts. Thank God you can't see our thoughts. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Right? We were living by our thoughts. We were living by our emotions. Our emotionists were just making us crazy. And that's because our spirit had not been awakened to Christ. And so Jesus comes and says, hey, you need, you need life. You need to be woke. Everybody say woke. <laughs> right? You need to be woke. 
And so woke is the counterfeit version. See, that's, that's the watchword right now, counterculture and all that. Says, you know, you, y'all need to be woke. I'm only going to hang out with people who are woke. And, and that comes from a cultural thing is you need to be aware of what's happening in the world. Y'all are just all, you know, y'all thinking everything's fine and wake up and see how bad it really is, right? So you need to be woke to social injustices. You need to be woke to all of these things. And how many of you know that's just counterfeit? Everything that God has, how many of you know the world has a counterfeit? So when everybody's screaming, you need to be woke, you need to be woke, the Lord is saying, yeah, wake up. Wake up. I'm trying to wake you up. I'm trying to call you forth from death into life. Right? So Jesus comes in Ephesians in chapter 2. It says, when you were dead in your trespasses and sin, you were walking around under the sway of the evil one. Listen, you might have been doing it in some good-looking hills and a nice business suit, but you were dead. And you were under the sway of the evil one. Evil one. There is no gray. Either you're born again or you're under the sway of the devil. That's what the Bible says. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Right? So we not only need to realize that about ourselves, but we need to realize that about all the people around us and let there be an urgency inside of us that there's a whole bunch of walking dead people around us. Come on now. And so Ephesians goes on to say, we were walking under the sway of the evil one, but God, rich in his mercy, in order to, not because he wanted to smack us around, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, in order to satisfy his great love for us. He loved us so much. He's like, I've got to satisfy this desire, this, this love that I have. I have to satisfy this love. It said he made us alive. Because how many of you know until Jesus came on the cross, there was no calling on the name of Jesus? Right? I've shared this before. If you came to church back in that time period, you had to drag you in a goat. Or you had to drag you in a, uh, some sort of animal. And this altar would have been a bloody mess up here because it had to be sacrificed. There had to be blood. And only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus came, he did away with every bit of that. That's why he yelled out on the cross, it's finished. And the Bible says the veil was rent. Finally, the, the, the way to the holy holies was made. That's the cross. It's not some cute little Bible story. Okay? So in Judges chapter 4, I want to talk about this. He made us alive. He made us alive. I want you to wake up. Everybody say, wake up. Wake up. Because I'm going to tell you, there's this spirit that's trying to shut us down. There's this spirit that's trying to make us quiet. There's this spirit that's trying to shut us into this, lull us into this sleep. That nothing we say matters. That, that, that we just might as well sit by and let whatever happens, happens. Because it's this thing, right? But the Holy Spirit, I believe, he's saying, get woke. Wake up. Wake up. Judges chapter 4, verse 14. In the Amplified, it says this. It says, the message is clear. Get up, because God is on the move. Don't, I don't think y'all believe that. God is on the move. We may not see it. Listen, he never sleeps. He never slumbers. But he is on the move. He is working right now. 
He's working when we, can, when we can't see it. We sang it this morning, but a lot of times we don't pay attention to what we sing. But that's what we were singing and prophesying this morning. And then if you go on to um, Isaiah 51, 17, it says, shake yourself from the dust and get up. Listen, I love my mama, and she might be watching today if she's watching I Love You Mama. But <laughs> sometimes my mama, when she would wake me up in the morning, it would, be, it would first be a gentle little nudge. Hey, y'all need to get up. Right? <laughs> Some of y'all have a mama like this. But how many of you know if you didn't get up that first time, then the second time her voice might get a little louder. I said get up. Listen, you don't want her to come back that third time. <laughs> she come back that third time. There's some covers going to be yanked off your bed. and that, It's going to be a decibel that you can't sleep through. Right? And that's kind of what the Holy Spirit is saying here. He's saying, shake yourself from the dust. Get up. Get up and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen. How many of you know we have to see past the stuff? The glory of the Lord is risen. Isaiah goes on and says, get yourself up from your depressed, postured position and get in a position to hold up the torch of God and declare who he is. Listen, I don't care if everything's burning down around me. I'm going to say, God's moving. God's moving. He's on the move and he is faithful. He is faithful. I learned how good he was in the midst when everything around me crumbled. Sitting on the front row of the church. And I'm going to tell you something the Holy Spirit taught me to sing. You are good. You're good. You're so good. He invited me to his table. And when, when I was praying for him to remove my enemies, he said, I'm going to one-up you. I'm going to put you in the presence of your enemy at my table. And I'm going to anoint your head with oil. And your cup's going to run over. And you're going to sing, you are good. Come on, is that your song today? Is that your song today? Psalm 24 says this. It says, wake up, you sleepy-headed city. Wake up, you sleepy-headed people. King glory is ready to enter. King glory is ready to enter. Who's the king glory? He's God. He's armed and battle ready. Wake up, you sleepyhead city. Wake up, you sleepyhead people. King glory is ready to enter. Do you believe that? Do you believe that today? He is ready to enter. So then my question is, how is he going to enter? Anybody want to try and give me the answer? Through us. Raise your hand. He's coming through you. He's coming through you. Straight up through you. Can he sing it, send his angels? Yep, he's been there, done that. Still does. Did he send Jesus? Yes, been there, done that. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne. He's praying for us. That's what the Bible says. Hebrews says we got a great cloud of witnesses up there praying for us, saying, come on, come on, come on. Keep moving, keep moving. Right? This is what's happening in the unseen realm. And we just constantly keep our eyes on what we can see. That's why John said, come up higher. Look up here. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up your eyes. But what's happening is in the midst of God moving, we all keep focused on our own self. Well, I don't know. I, 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 
I don't know, I don't like this COVID thing. I'm afraid I'm going to catch it. And, you know, um, and, well, you know, my job's probably shutting down again. And that lady down next door to me, you know, she's got that COVID. Come on. Y'all can laugh a little bit. Right? I love my family, but even my own family is like, well, I guess we'll wear masks Christmas. It's like, not me, not I. Take your cootie shot because I'm coming like me. I'm coming. <laughs> so, right? Are you with me on that? Listen, and, and please know, I know the seriousness of the situation, right? But my thing is, when God is trying to move and he's on the move in his holy place and we're so busy, we're saying, well, God's not moving, God's not moving. Listen, he's walking all around you, but we're too busy staring at our own navel, as my friend says, rather than lifting up our heads to see what he's actually doing. Rather than actually joining in where he's going. Because we're so focused on everything else around us. Right? So I'm going to tell you two ways that God's going to come through us. And then I'm going to send you home by 12. We'll see. Right? But yeah. So the first way is let's just go back to Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm just going to go through it really quickly here. Isaiah chapter 6. He said, everything I thought was life. When everything I thought was life to me died, I saw the Lord clearly. Right? In my life, when my marriage came crumbling down, <laughs> when I lost my house, I, I, listen, I saw the Lord in that. I saw the Lord in that. Listen, what is, what is it, what's come crumbling down around you, and are you looking for the Lord in it? Are you lifting your eyes above it, right? So he says, I was a prophet. I've been using my voice for years, and I want you to hear this. He said, I've been using my voice for years to declare the word of the Lord, but then I realized I'm a man of unclean lips. Basically what he's saying is I need a fresh anointing. Take the coal, touch my lips. And what that coal symbolizes, that coal symbolizes the finished work of the cross. Because how many of you know, it wasn't an active fire burning. What's left, in, you know, after you set the fire to it, what's left is that burning coal, right? So that coal represents the finished work of the cross. He's saying, listen, touch my lips with the finished work of the cross. With everything that you took care of, anoint me fresh with it. He's calling us to a fresh loyalty to him. Everybody say fresh loyalty. Listen, I love Pastors Chuck and Karen, and I am loyal to them, but how many of you know my first loyalty is to the Lord? My first loyalty is to the kingdom of God, right? I love my job, but my first loyalty is to the Lord, right? I love my family, love them, but my first loyalty has to be to the Lord. And I believe this season God is calling us to that fresh loyalty to him. Yes, good things have happened. Yes, God has used us. Yes, there has been revival in New Harvest Church. But I'm telling you, there's a fresh anointing coming, right? There's, in the king, year that King Uzziah died, we, say, we see the Lord. We say, God, touch our lips. Yes, I'm going to say this fresh thing that you're saying. And it's a fresh anointing. And then not only were his eyes open, but his ears were open. Because he, the Bible says he heard a conversation that was happening in the heavenly realm. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were saying, hey, who's going to go for us? Who can we send out? So, so this, in, when everything around him that he thought was life fell crumbling to the ground, his eyes were open, his ears were open, and he heard the Lord. He said, who's going to go? And he said, I'll go. 
You can use me. He was able to hear clearer than he had ever heard before. Amen. And he says, I will be your messenger. I'll be your messenger. And then in John chapter 12, the other scripture I read to you, Jesus had been anointed by Mary. And it caused the religious Jezebel spirit to raise its ugly head. How many of you know extravagant, surrendered worship of the Lord is always going to cause ugly to come up somewhere? Come on, right? And that's what was happening. And Judas was concerned about how much it cost. Jesus said, let her be. She's preparing me. She's preparing me. This is in preparation for my death. How many of you know there is a preparation that goes on? And I can remember after I moved back in 2019, stepping into this pulpit and the Holy Spirit telling me that he is preparing new harvest for the new harvest. There is a preparation season that's been happening. Don't let all this go to waste. Come on, don't let 2020 go to waste. You know what? I'm a born-again believer. Guess what? Trouble works for me. I don't work for trouble. Trouble works for me. And I don't work for pain. Pain works for me. Because the pain that I cry out and give to God, he directs it and he uses it. Are you with me? So Jesus said, leave her alone. This is preparation. And he turns to his disciples and he says, unless a grain of wheat goes into the ground and it's going to stand alone. And he was talking about himself. He's saying, listen, right now I'm only with y'all 12. And the crowd, he said, I, I'm going to have to go into the ground. I'm going to have to die in order for true production to take place. I want you to think about that. I'm going to have to go into the ground, right? And if I go into the ground, he said, I'm going to produce many grains of wheat. What is that translation? He's saying, if I, as the only begotten son, go into the ground, then there's going to be many sons come up out of that ground. He said, many, many, many sons. And by sons, I mean female and male sons, right? We are all the sons of God. He said, many sons are going to come up out of that ground. Listen, if Jesus had not been obedient to allow himself to go into the ground, guess we wouldn't be here. We would not be here. And so all this time, listen, I want you to think about the picture. All this time, Jesus has been around them in the New Testament. He has rattled some of the religious people to no end. Who are the people that got mad at him? Religious folks. Who were the people that tried to find him doing the law wrong? Religious folks. Well, you know, you're not supposed to eat on the Sabbath. Well, you're not supposed to heal people on the Sabbath. Well, you're not supposed to do, you're not, you're not. How many of you know that's all law? And here Jesus is, he's walking in the perfect will of his father, and it is rattling some people's chains big time. Who was it that crucified him? Religious folks. Good people crucified him. Good people killed Jesus. Upstanding people in the community were the people that were yelling, crucify him. Judges, chief priests, come on, what does that look like in our day? <laughs> leaders of the community, leaders in the nation, crucify him, kill him. Come on, 
How many of you know life rattles the chains of the religious folks? Amen? And so all the time, I want you to picture this. When people are going, and and how many of you know the disciples were rattled a little bit? They're like, hold up, hold up, hold up. You told us to follow you. (laughs) And now what do you mean you're going to get crucified? What? (laughs) What do you mean you're going away? I just sold my I just sold my fishing gig and I'm following you. Now what do you mean? Come on, that was Peter and Paul. They're like, hey, hey, we we Peter and James and you know, hey, we you know, we gave our boats away. We gave our nets away. What do you mean you're leaving? Like what? Like what are we supposed to do now? He's shaking them all up, right? And all the time God is Jesus is one hundred percent confident of what he's heard the Father say. Come on. And I think God was just up in the up in the heavens. Just getting his arrow, just putting Jesus in it, right? Putting that arrow in there, just pulling it back, pulling it back, pulling it back. When everybody's saying you're a failure, look at him hanging on the cross naked. He looked like the biggest failure. They were mocking him. They were spitting on him. God's like, hold up, just let me pull my arrow back. Just pulling it back, pulling it back. When even the believers were like, what is going on? He's like, hold up, guys, I got it. Watch, I'm I'm just pulling this arrow back. Are you with me on that? Are you with me? Hell was applauding. Oh, yeah. We got this sucker. He's gone, right? God's like, I'm just pulling my arrow back. How many of you know, Jesus said in Hebrews chapter, I think it's 12, it says he ignored the mocking and the scoffing. He didn't even turn his head to it. He said, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on the author and finisher of my faith. He didn't even, he didn't even, How many of you know those things mock and scoff us all the time? Mocking, well, you know, God said he was going to do this, and God said he was going to do that, and God this and God that. That's that mocking and scoffing spirit that comes after us. And how many of you know Jesus is like, just pulling the arrow back, just keep your eyes on me. Just watch the arrow, watch the arrow. I feel like that's what he's saying in the spirit right now. When this whole year, if we're not careful, can mock us. This whole year can make a mockery. Well, you said it was going to be a comeback year. God's like, hold up. I'm just pulling the arrow back. Got my arrow. I'm just pulling it back. I'm just pulling. Don't even turn your head. Don't even listen. Because, see, sometimes we think, well, i got to put a scripture on that, or i got to do this. God said, no, don't even give it the time of day. Just watch me. Just watch me. Just let me pull my arrow back because I am about to send forth my messengers. Amen? And he said, because He said, hell is defeated, right? Listen, Jesus went into that ground. The Bible says he really, he went went all the way into the pits of hell. He took every demon captive, and he marched them out, made an open show of them. I love Jesus. How many of you know we think we have to be so quiet and dignified, and he's wrapped them up in chains going, come on, boys, you know, just making a mockery out of them. What had tried to mock him now is being mocked by him. How many of you know that as we walk in obedience to him, those things have to shut their mouth, have to shut their mouth? Our obedience to him silences the enemy. If you just keep walking, if you just keep sitting at his table, and he says, just keep watching me, just keep eating of me, just keep eating of me. Don't pay no mind to the mocking and scoffing because I got your arrow right here. I'm just pulling you back. I'm just getting you in position. I'm just preparing you. I'm just preparing you. Corey, you can come on if you want. He says, as Jesus is going into the ground, Now, let me tell you this. We are his seed. 
we are being placed in the ground. You feel that? We're being placed in the ground. I feel like this year has been a year of going in the ground. And, and it's been, how many of you know, when you go into the ground, if, if that, that seed is in the dirt, it's dark in there. It's dark. That seed's being covered. It's like, what the heck is happening here? Right? Come on. It's lonely. I can't see anything around me. Can this really be God? Yes. <laughs> right? Seems like defeat. Lord, you said you were going to use me. You said this and that. And now nobody even knows I'm alive. I don't even feel alive. This can't be you. Just keep, keep your eyes on me. I'm, I'm pulling back the arrow. I'm preparing you, right? Because in the ground, what happens is this. When we go in the ground, you can even feel disillusioned. You don't know which way is up. You don't know which way to turn, right? But then what happens is when we allow him to process us, when we get hidden in him, that hard outer shell comes off of us, right? All, the, all of those graven images, all of those unwarranted suspicions against the Father and against his faithfulness begins to come off of us. And the very life of God, the incorruptible seed of Christ himself starts to launch out of us. If we just stay with him, everybody say, stay with him. Stay with him. Go in the ground. Let him bury you. Let him plant you. Let him plant you. Because what's going to happen is the hard stuff is going to be broken off of us. His life is going to come forth. And many sons are going to be birthed. We're going to be prepared to be his messenger. Everybody say messengers. So I just believe with all of my heart that this has been a year of preparation for the Father to sharpen his arrows, right? To get his arrows uh, in, that, in that bow. I don't even know what you call it, but the thing you put it on, right? And just pull that arrow back in preparation. And when everybody else has said, they're going backwards, they're going under. That don't even look right. Nothing ain't happening there. God's saying, just hold on. Just hold on. Amen. Will you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. Isaiah 41 says it this way. You know, I, I went through a, a few weeks ago. I, I'd kind of held it together for a while in, in a certain situation. And then a few weeks ago, I, I began to feel myself get a little rattled. Began to really question the Lord and what was going to happen in, in, um, in a certain area of my life. And my tendency when that happens is to reach back for my old weapons of graven images of God, right? I, I start, instead of allowing myself to be protected and come underneath his wing, I'm like, oh, I got to find something to protect myself here, right? Uh, if rejection's coming, I, I, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to reject them first. Or if this is coming, I'm going to. And the Lord just be, reminded me of this verse in Isaiah 41. And it says this. Isaiah 41, 11, 10, actually. It says, fear not. There is nothing to fear. For I'm with you. 
Do not look around you in terror and be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Now listen to this phrase. And I will harden you to difficulties. I will harden you, Tina. You don't have to harden yourself. You don't have to fight. You don't have to fall back in those fleshly graven images of God. I am going to be your guard. I am going to harden you to adversities. I am going to be a shield about you, right? I am going to, uh, I see a big turtle shell on my back, right? But it's really the Holy Spirit saying, you don't have to fight. I'm going to harden you to adversity. And the scripture goes on to say, I'm going to help you. I'm going to hold you up. I'm going to retain you with my victorious right hand of rightness and justice. And he goes on down in verse 15. Um, and he says, I'm going to make you a new, sharp, everybody say sharp, a sharp threshing instrument, which has teeth. So what does that mean? That's one of those weird Old, Old Testament scriptures. But how many of you know that that is a sign of maturity? How many of you know babies don't have teeth? Mature people have teeth. He says, I'm going to put some teeth in your mouth. I'm going to put some teeth in your mouth. And he says, you're going to thresh mountains. You're going to thresh mountains. Now, listen, that might not excite you guys, but when I made the decision, when the Holy Spirit was dealing with me about moving here, the Lord told me, Tina, I promised you this mountain. And for me, it's a mountain of education. And for me, it's a, I actually feel like God has called me to two lanes. And one of them is ministry and discipleship, right? He said, I've given you these mountains. And I said, but Lord, I feel like Caleb because I'm old. I'm not that old. But how many of you know you can feel a little old? And if you go back and read that, Caleb had gotten the word of the Lord 40 years earlier. Listen, that might, might not mean nothing to y'all, but that means something to me. Because as a 13-year-old girl, as a 15-year-old girl, God was giving me word after word after word about my mountain. And now 50 years later, he's saying, Tina, I'm giving you your mountain. And Caleb said, Caleb said, I'm stronger now than I was 40 years ago. The power of God is on me now stronger than I was 40 years ago. He says, so I'm going to take this mountain, and I'm going to win this mountain for the Lord. I am going to destroy the enemies of God in this mountain. And I believe that's the word of the Lord for somebody in this house today, that God is saying, take your mountain. Rise up and take your mountain today. Listen, he has called us. He is preparing you. I don't care how long it took. Listen, you think 2020 was long. Try 40 years. 40 years of preparation. Come on. If you, if you are okay today, can y'all just gather around today? I feel like we need to pray out this year. Come to the altars. Come on. Let's pray out today, this year. And let's say, God, give me my mountain. Come on, can you just cry that out? God, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain, God. I'm stronger now than I was 40 years ago. Lord, you are preparing me. This is my comeback year. I might be that arrow, and I might be getting pulled back right now. Right? I might be that seed that's buried in the ground right now. 
But God, you are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful. And I prophesy over this house that we will take our mountain. I prophesy over Chuck and Karen. They will take their mountain. Everything that God has promised will come to pass. Everything. I don't care how old it looks. I don't care how far gone it looks. I prophesy today that you will take your mountain. You will take your mountain. You will take your mountain. So, Father, we just thank you today. We thank you today, God. Father, I thank you that 2020 was not wasted time, that it was preparation time. I declare that what the enemy thought was taking us down, that is just pulling us back in the arrow, in the hands of God, to be shot out as his messengers to this region and to the regions beyond. I declare it today. I declare it today. I declare today, we break off disappointment. We break off disappointment today. We break off disillusionment today. We break our graven images. God, we break our unwarranted suspicions against your faithfulness, God. We repent of them today. Take the coal. Come on, can you just tell him, take the coal from the altar, God, touch my lips. Fresh anointing. Break fresh anointing upon us, Lord. Break fresh oil on us. Whoo, fresh oil, God. Fresh oil for the journey. Fresh oil for what lays ahead. Fresh oil for our mountains. Fresh oil. Fresh oil for the wounds. There is a balm in Gilead that heals the wounded soul. God, I speak your balm over the wounded souls in this room today. There is a balm in Gilead. And when he heals you, you are healed. You are healed. You are healed. I thank you that hope is arising in this place today. I will take my mountain with you. I thank you that you are making us a sharp, threshing weapon for you, God. Not a weapon that wounds, but God, a weapon that restores, that has teeth, that is mature. Father, mature believers today. Sons that are going to rise up. Sons that are going to say, I, my loyalty is to you. My loyalty is to you. I just thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for fresh oil. Come on, just lift your hands and tell him, thank you for fresh oil. Thank you that trouble works for me. Thank you, Jesus. You are our life. You are our strength. You are our hope. You have never lost a battle. We lift our eyes to you. We lift our eyes to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Can you say amen?
Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. Amen. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being here today. Listen, I believe the word of the Lord today. And I hope you allow him just to minister this over you in the next few days and weeks as we move forward. You know, sometimes we come to church and we say, well, that was a cute little teaching. I, that, was, that was a good teach. How many of you know it's, it's alive? <laughs> there used to be a movie that said, it's alive, right? It's alive. This is alive. It's real. It's more realer than the chair you sit in. It's more real than anything you can see. It's more real than the ashes around your feet right now. He is good. He is faithful. Amen? All right. Well, I love you. And on behalf of pastors Karen and Chuck, they love you. Right? And we are so glad that that you are here with us. Those of you that joined us online, thank you so much. We bless you. And we start the new year out saying he is good. Amen? He is good. Amen. Amen.